0: This is our first time to do a series on stewardship. I've, I've maybe preached one or two messages that kind of touched on money and the handling of money and stewardship. And stewardship is such a big issue in the Bible uh, that if we didn't talk about it, if we didn't talk about how to manage our money as faithful stewards, then we would miss a lot of Jesus' parables, about 10 of the 40 parables that he gave, and the Gospels. We would miss uh, several other New Testament passages, Old Testament passages. There's a lot of scripture that we would miss out on. Uh, Jesus knew that money is so close to the heart of man. Hearts are so inclined to gravitate towards money and stuff. And so he, he knew that if he, as somebody who aimed for the heart, to preach the word of God to and aim for the heart... He would have to talk about those things that were dearest to the heart of humanity, those things that, that humanity loves. It's important for us to focus on this. As I said last week, it's it's difficult for me for various reasons to talk about money at church. Uh, one is because my last name is Dollar, and that's not a that's not the best name for a preacher, if you ask me. Um, and and so we here at City Church in no way want to put. Uh, unhealthy emphasis on, on money because we're not all about money here. We're about the kingdom of God. Okay? But we, we want to instruct and equip and encourage everybody here to have a biblical understanding so that the, 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 the resources that we have are invested into the kingdom of God and not stored up or hoarded up or, or used in unrighteous ways or squandering what we have We will stand before God and give an account for all that he's entrusted to us, not only concerning our wealth, but also our time and our gifts and and everything that we have in in this life. And so last week we talked about how uh, the foundational place of of being a faithful steward uh, with what we have is realizing that it all belongs to God. So last week we talked about that in a message titled, It's All Yours. And my aim last week was to get us to come to that point where we pray that, God, it's all yours, and that we have that perspective. With everything that we have, it's all yours, God. Okay? And so this week, we're going to talk a little bit about the dangers of wealth and, and how to counteract that. What's the solution? There are, there are many pitfalls that come to handling wealth. Wealth has ruined a lot of people. Even people in the Christian faith have turned away from the faith, as Paul says in this text. And so it's an issue. And we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, and Paul's writing his young protege uh, young Timothy, a pastor who's pastoring a church, and Paul is, is giving him instruction as a pastor and how to lead the church and, and, and teach the church and instruct the church. And Paul specifically tells Timothy, you've got to talk about money with these folks. He gives them instructions to, to to give to those who are wealthy in the church and how to address it. And he warns against false teachers who would have an unhealthy focus on finances okay so if you have your bibles go ahead and turn there to first timothy chapter six and we will dig in teach and urge these things if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our lord jesus christ and the teaching that accords with godliness he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing he has an unhealthy craving for controversy And for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich will fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, you flee these things. Pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, about which he made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained, free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take a hold of of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and uh, contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you all God's people said, Amen. So here's the big idea. This is where we're going this morning. There are great dangers and opportunities that, ac- that accompany wealth. The scripture warns us of the dangers and instructs us in how to make the greatest investment with our wealth. Okay, so that's where we're going. Uh, the first thing I want to address is the issue of the prosperity gospel. I mentioned this last week, and this is... This is important for us to talk about in this series because this is one of the reasons that it makes it difficult for for me and, and many, many other preachers today to talk about money is because there are so many preachers out there, televangelists specifically, who have talked about wealth in such a way uh, they, they have a message that is lacking, that, that lacks part of the truth of scriptures. And and it's a message that emphasizes that God wants everybody to be healthy and wealthy. Okay? And it minimizes the reality of suffering and sickness and sorrow and the brokenness of this world that we live in. It emphasizes kind of like what, what Timothy, what Paul is telling Timothy, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. You see, the prosperity of gospel appeals to the greed of humanity, the sinful nature of humanity, and and there's this Paul's describing these false teachers here, and one of the, the characteristics of of them, and and Peter also describes uh, this as a characteristic of false teachers is it's an issue of greed. It, it's a, it's a mark. It's a characteristic that care, characterizes those who are. False preachers and, and teachers, and and so they imagine godliness as a means of gain. Now, there's a, there's there's some truth in in that, because he goes on, verse six: godliness with contentment is great gain. Is it not? Would would we all agree with that? Godliness with contentment is a very great thing, and 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 desirable, and something we should seek, something we should pursue. But false teachers and, and people who uh, maybe don't know the Lord, but they're, they're open to Christianity because it might increase their pocketbook. They might be more successful and prosperous if they start going to church and start putting in some token prayers up to kind of a genie God out there who will bless their finances. But people who have that mindset have a very shallow connection with God and have, have a shallow Uh, form of uh, quote Christianity. And and so Paul warns Timothy uh, against this mindset and against these teachers who have this mentality of seeing godliness or Christianity as a means of merely making a buck. There's a lot of money that can be made in the Christian world and there's a lot of money that has been made. I mean, you just think about Christian books, Christian uh, music, uh Christian clothing, you know, stuff with crosses on it, right? I mean, you just put Christian on it and put a fish on it, you know, put, you know, a social, honor Jesus in it in, in some ways and and you might get more sales from the Christian community. You might that might actually help you because there's a, there's a trust in people's minds. There's a trust that comes with Christianity. You would you would think, "Well, they're a Christian. They're going to be they're going to do business with integrity." You know Jesus taught you know to to live a, a life of, of integrity and, and godliness and honesty and so on, and so you would think yeah they 're a christian they 're going to do business with integrity, and so folks will capitalize on Christianity, motivated by greed, and see Christianity as a means of making a buck and we we don 't want to to settle for such a shallow uh, sensual form of godliness in Christianity. Our godliness goes much deeper than just bless me, bless me, bless me with stuff. God is concerned about our hearts. He's concerned about us having a relationship with him, a genuine relationship with him. And so godly, godliness with contentment is great gain. The Bible teaches us to be content. He says in this in this passage that we are... Um, to be content verse 7 says for we brought nothing into this world and we can take and we cannot take anything out of the world but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content so paul's using some biblical uh biblical perspective to reason uh with this faulty thinking And and the faulty thinking is, you know, uh, just hoard it up for yourself. Go get as much as you can get as if your life, the quality of your life is measured by all the stuff that you have. It's not. It's not. That's that's a misconception that the world has. The quality of your life is how much how, how big is your house? What toys do you have? vacation packages and and all that, you know, all the stuff that you can acquire. You don't need that for happiness and fulfillment and joy in this life. As a matter of fact, many people who have lots of wealth have more sorrows and miseries than they do happiness and peace and and a pleasurable life. Uh, There are great pains that come with many riches. Ecclesiastes 5 talks about that and Last last year I preached on that about being content. And so there's a there's a there's a big problem with the issue of money. Verse nine says this those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root is the root of all kinds of evils. Now, this is important because he doesn't say that money is the, the root of all evil. Some, many, many people have misquoted this. Money itself is not evil. Okay? It's not, it's not evil to have money. It's not, you know, it's not like you're going to be defiled if you touch money or if you have money. You don't, you don't have to be. It's neutral. But the love of it is what's the root of all kind of evils. The problem is, is loving and having a devotion and a commitment more to money than to God and to other relationships. You see, stuff is not more important than people. And it's not more important than our relationship with God. And that's the biblical perspective. Jesus told a parable in Luke 16 to encourage people to make friends with the money that you have. Like like, invest in relationships because relationships are more important than riches. And you can't take your riches with you. We've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul behind it because they were going to bury all that stuff with with the person who passed away, right? You can't take it with you. And so Jesus teaches his followers that if you're going to have the best investment in this life, don't hoard it up. Don't hoard it up for yourself because when you die you can't take it with you. Jesus told a parable in Luke 12 about this rich fool who had was he was rich he had big barns he had things were going well for him and he said to himself I'm gonna I'm gonna tear down my barns and build some some bigger ones and I'm gonna you know just take it easy and and, and God says you fool you know you're, you, tonight your soul's required of you and where are all those things going to go? And so Jesus warned against greed, he warned against the love of money, and he, he taught a kingdom perspective. Uh, one commentator, Derek Kinder, says this if anything worse, if if anything is worse than the addiction money brings, it is the emptiness that it leaves. You see, riches seem to promise so much, but they, they don't deliver. They're they're terrible saviors terrible saviors, and they leave us empty. They leave us unfulfilled. Money can never replace what what God is in, in our lives. It can never be a, a savior that delivers up. what. It's deceitful. The, the, the Bible calls, uh, Jesus warned about the deceitfulness of riches that choke the life of the word out of those who hear his word. And so one of the big problems with money is not that money itself is evil, one of the problems with is 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 that we tend to love it. We tend to love it, and and some of y'all may say, "Well, I don't I don't love money," but do you love the things that your money can buy you? Okay, how about how about books, All right, How about books? We'll oh, come over here. How about how about books, all right? How about how about house decorations or or, or nice clothes or or cars or what are those things that you want in life? possessions. See, money can get you those things, those things that help bring pleasure to you and bring comfort to you and make life a little bit easier to you. And, 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 it, and, and that's why it can have such a strong grip on our hearts. And, and, and so what, what happens is if we desire to be rich, it makes us vulnerable to temptations. It, it, it leads us into a trap, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And so we're warned to guard our hearts against this. Don't set your hearts on riches uh, because it will leave you unfulfilled and empty and it will lead to ruin. There's been plenty of people who have won the lottery in their lives were ruined because of not being able to handle that much money at once. There's been many people who have come into an inheritance or all of a sudden have lots of money and then they, 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 they don't have the character to steward it well and they destroy themselves and they squander the wealth that they have. And so there's, there's problems that come along with money, okay? But, and I don't want to just focus on that because... Uh, Money itself isn't evil. Uh, there, Paul does give some solution here. Uh, he gives in specific instructions to the rich in verse 17. He says, "As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches." Okay, so here this is this is actually a part of the problem too. Uh, The the implications here are there's a tendency to be proud and haughty about the things that we have. There's a tendency to have pride in our possessions and and, and kind of think to yourself, look at what my hands have got me. My hard work has accomplished. Okay? And so Paul says, command the rich not to be haughty. Now, I, I don't think we have a lot of rich people here at City Church Garland. And so you may be thinking, well, that's that's for those other folks, right? That's for the people that get the, uh, what, six-digit figures, right? Um, but if you if, if you kind of look at the whole world and, and, and look at how well you are as an American, how well off you are as an American compared to the rest of the, the billions of people on the planet, uh you would probably be considered rich if you compare to the entire world or maybe even comparing yourself to past generations, right? Uh, And so we're probably richer than we think we are. We're probably richer than we think we are. To be among the wealthiest half of the world last year, an adult needed to own own only 3,210 in net assets, minus debts, according to the data. To be in the top 10%, a person needed to have only 68800 in wealth. To be in the top percentile, the threshold climbed to $760,000, according to Credit Suisse or whatever. So don't dismiss this as, well, that's, that's the other guys. Uh, don't be haughty and proud and arrogant with what you've, you've been entrusted with. And then he says, don't, tr- don't set your hope in the uncertainty of riches. So Paul's telling young Timothy, hey, talk to the people who have wealth in the congregation there. And tell them, don't be proud and don't be haughty. Don't be arrogant because they got wealth. And-, and don't look down on others because they don't have as much as they do. Uh, and don't put your hope in the uncertainty of riches. They, they can easily be taken away and your riches can just fly away and you can have nothing. There's been plenty of businessmen that have experienced that overnight. Everything was lost and, and gone. Proverbs 11.28 says, Whoever trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Psalm 62.10 says, If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Some of us may feel like, yeah, I'm great with, I don't struggle with the love of money. I'm great. But then if like a whole bunch gets credited to you, if you get a whole bunch put into your hand, uh, it can become a struggle, right? You, you may have more temptations than you realize. And so if they increase, don't set your heart on them. I love, I love the fact that uh, on our dollar bills, we have the words, in God we trust. In God we trust, and we need to keep that uh, in our minds. We need to remember that reality that we shouldn't trust in our riches. We shouldn't trust in our stuff. We should trust in God, okay? So here, here's some more of the solution here, more of the solution to, to, to the problem of money. One is to be content with what you have. Paul instructs that we are to be content with what we have. If you have food and clothing, be content with that. And I think we all have that. Right? Um, And then C.S. Lewis says this He says, He who has God and everything has no more than he who has God alone. He who has God and everything has no more than he who has God alone. God is enough. He's enough. He provides us everything we need to be content in Him. And, and with. we should be content with just the clothes on our back and the food that we have. That's enough. Paul said that he learned to be content in all circumstances, whether he has a lot or whether he, ha- he has a little. And this is something that we have to, to learn and we have to train ourselves to have. And then the other thing is to enjoy what you have as a gift from God. We are not anti physical world as if the physical world is evil. There's some there's some philosophy that has that emphasis and we don't we don't we don't stray in that error where we say well everything's evil, money's evil, stuff is evil, so just completely rid yourself of it. Don't don't have anything nice at all. Don't enjoy anything nice at all because you're sinning, right? we don't have that mentality we we are to see what we have as a gift from god and god is honored when we're content with it and when we enjoy it as a gift from god's hand okay ecclesiastes 5:19 and 20 says this everyone also to whom god has given wealth and possession and the power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice In in his toil, this is the gift of God, for he will will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. Having lots of stuff does not equal you being able to enjoy all the stuff that you have. Having lots of stuff does not equal happiness and uh, the quality of life because you can have lots of stuff and not enjoy any of it you can be you can have lots of wealth and not enjoy any of it and Ecclesiastes says to to have what you have and to be able to enjoy what you have is a gift from God so enjoy it don't don't feel guilty because you're able to eat a a yummy meal or because you have a car that has air condition or you have a a nice house that you can host people in or you got Nice clothes. Don't feel guilty because you have nice stuff. Uh, but, but don't let your heart be captured and devoted to those things. Don't let those things grip your heart. There's, there's, a, there's a warning. There's a danger uh, for that. And so here's another part of the solution that Paul gives to, to those who are rich. Do good with what you have. Do good with what you have. They, the, the rich people, if God's blessed you with means do good with what you have, be rich in good works, be generous, be ready to share. I mean, have you, have you ever stopped and thought, what's the purpose of money and what, why has God given me what I have? Why has God given me what I have? Have you ever just thought, what, what's the purpose of this? Well, one, one of the, the purposes is, is so that you can have food and clothes, so you can have your basic needs met, right? But the, another reason is, is if God's given you enough for you and more than what you need, another purpose for him blessing you with what you need is so that you can be a blessing to others and so that you can give to others. You see, we get to, to kind of be like God in, in in our generosity. God is a generous God. He He richly gives us all things to enjoy as we just read there. God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He's, he's gracious. He's generous. He loves to lavish good gifts down on his children. God's not stingy, okay? He's not stingy. He, he is generous and he gives and he gives and, and he enables us to be like him in our giving, We're able to love through our giving. We're able to reflect God's character in our giving. And giving can be really fun. It can be really fun. I don't know if you've ever been excited about giving or felt the joy of being able to give to somebody. But it just feels really good to be able to help somebody who's in need. We should be ready to share. We should be rich in good works. We, this, is, this is Christianity. Christianity is about this. Christianity isn't about just heaping up a bunch of stuff for ourselves and living a life of ease and comfort. Christianity is about giving ourselves away. Jesus gave himself away for us, and we receive that. And our lives are affected. There's a domino effect that, that influences our life by the grace of God. Waves of grace upon grace coming to us and then flowing through us into the lives of others. That's what Christianity is about. It's the love of God flowing through us. The grace of God flowing to us and through us. Paul gives a solution here to He gives a warning about the love of money and the desire to be rich, and he gives a solution, give it away. Uh, Randy Alcorn says this, he says, Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. It dethrones me and exalts him. This is an excellent quote. We live in a materialistic culture. We live in a culture that worships stuff and money. And in Dallas, Texas, that's just the air we breathe, materialism. And, and Christians are sucked up in it too and get caught up in just the materialistic world. And, and we're, we're, we get so focused on stuff. If you lose joy over your stuff being broken or damaged or lost, then it probably has a, a too strong of a grip on your heart. I mean, has anybody ever lost their, their smartphone? And like, how do you feel when you couldn't find that and you lost that, right? Anybody? So, some of y'all don't have smartphones. So you're like, no, not me. <laughs> uh, I know I've felt that before. And I thought, that's, not, that's really not good or healthy. To feel like I feel because I can't find my, my iPhone or because it got stolen or whatever. We, we should hold everything that we have with an open hand so that when God asks us to give it up, or when it's taken away from us, it doesn't hurt as much. Did that Corey Tin Boom? She said, "I've learned to hold everything with an open hand, so that when God asks to ask for it, it doesn't hurt as much to give it up. Um, sometimes it hurts. It it hurts us when we lose things, or things get broken, or we're not able to get things because we love stuff too much. We love the, the things of this world." Too much. And I think we love the things of this world too much is because we don't have a big enough view of who God is. We don't have a big enough view of who God is. I mean, look at this quote. It says, Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person. You see, the early church got this. They saw Jesus resurrected and they were committed and they were sold out and they gave everything because. Jesus is risen from the grave and, 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 and they, they, they gave their lives and they gave their stuff for the gospel message to go out. And giving uh, dethrones us and exalts him. It's the only antidote to materialism. So, so if, if materialism has a grip on your heart, if the love of money has a grip on your heart, you have to counteract that by giving. I mean, that's just Christianity. We're, we're, we're told to give, we're taught to give, we're commanded to give in Scripture. Hudson Taylor said this, he says, The less I spend on myself, the more I gave to others, and the fuller of happiness and blessing did my soul become. Jesus said, Paul quotes Jesus in, uh, in Acts 20, he said, It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I mean, I just think that's a kingdom principle, a kingdom paradox. It, it doesn't make sense to the world that you can actually be happier and be more blessed by releasing your stuff to other people and giving it to other people in need, and you actually get like a greater blessing and greater joy. See, the world thinks, well, you just, you just keep your stuff and you'll be happy. You just get a lot of stuff, get more stuff and you'll be happy. doesn't work that way. Jesus says, give it away. Give it away. And, and if we're going to store up our treasures in heaven like Jesus taught us, then we can't hoard what we have. We have to give it away. The only way to take it with you, if you will, to store up treasures in heaven is by giving it away here. That's what Jesus taught. Paul's echoing the words of Jesus when he says uh, uh, in Matthew 6 and here in this Luke passage, he says, Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasures in the heavens that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we're told to store up our treasures in heaven. This is wise investment. This is this is the greatest investment with our money when we give it away. When, when we become givers, when we become generous, sacrificial givers, we get joy in the here and now. We get to experience being like God in generosity, and we get the joy of seeing other people blessed by our giving, but then we're also storing up for the future. So, if you're an investor and you like to think, what's, how can I get the maximize, greatest bang for my buck? All right, Jesus is stored up in heaven. Be generous. Give, give what you have. Jesus was radical on this because Jesus also lived in a in a culture where folks were materialistic. The Pharisees were lovers of money. And Jesus challenged the people of his day radically with this kind of message. This was radical to be his disciple. He told one rich guy, one rich young ruler who came up to him and said, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him to go sell all his stuff and give it to the poor. And the guy went away sorrowful. He couldn't do it. His, his riches had such a strong grip on his heart and had become his idol and was probably serving his stuff and his money, and he went away sorrowful and and Jesus says it's hard for a rich person to go to heaven it's really hard, it's like a, a camel going through the eye of a needle, and his disciples were a little bit discouraged, like man well you know how are we going to be saved you know like rich people are like the blessed people right that's the mindset like if you're rich that's that's god's blessing like like and Rich people have a hard time going to heaven? What? They, they struggle with that. And Jesus says, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God can overcome that. God can change the human heart. God can save and do what only he can do. Jimmy Elliott says this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. This comes from a man who gave his life on the mission field, who went into a risky place and and lost his life to bring the gospel to an unreached people group. This is an eternal perspective. This is a kingdom perspective. This is the kind of thinking that Jesus calls his people to have when it comes to our life and when it comes to our stuff. Don't don't try to save your life. Don't, Don't try to hold on to the things of this world. There's, a, there's an old story. I, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but there's an old story of a little girl who had a, a cheap set of pearl necklaces, that plastic and imitation pearl necklaces. And, um, and she loved them. She loved her pearl necklaces and her dad knew that she loved them. And she wore them everywhere. And one day her dad asked to give them up or for her to give them up. She said, sweetie, Will you give me those pearl necklaces? And she just couldn't do it. She bust out in tears. She cried. She loved those plastic pearl imitation pearl necklaces, and she just couldn't do it. And he kept asking her. He kept asking her. And then, and then finally, one day, she 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 worked through it. She worked through the the, the grip on her heart that these plastic uh, necklace necklace had on her heart, and she gave it up. And when she did. Her father had a strand of real, genuine, a real genuine pearl necklace to give to his daughter when she was willing to let go of the uh, the cheap one. And I think, I think our heavenly Father has something better for us as well in the life to come. He has the real thing, treasures in heaven, treasures that will last forever if we'll just like let go and quit trying to hold on to the stuff in this life. He has something better for us. And one of the, the, the issues with the prosperity gospel I forgot to mention earlier is it puts all the emphasis on the here and now. It puts all the emphasis on get everything that you can here and now. God wants to bless you with a bunch of stuff here. And there's an overemphasis on the here and now and not enough emphasis on the life to come. You see, the Bible continues to point our attention to put our hope and our focus on the life to come. This isn't it. It's not about your best life now. Like, there's, there's a better life awaiting for us. This world is very broken and fallen, and we're not going to experience our best life here. We're going to experience our best life in the life to come. Amen? So let me close with some application here. Number one, dethrone money from your heart. Dethrone money from your heart. If, if it has a grip on your heart, on a grip, and a grip on your life, uh, then dethrone it from your heart. Make it a matter of prayer. Talk to God about this. Ask Him for help. Like, God, I feel this, this, this unhealthy attachment to my stuff. I get angry when somebody messes with my stuff. I get angry when somebody bumps my car, puts a scratch on my new car, whatever, you know, whatever it is, my new shoes or, or whatever. What, what do we get upset about? What do we get worked up? What tensions in marriage related to our stuff do we have? You follow those tensions, you follow that anger and you will discover what your idols are. So dethrone those idols, dethrone those idols from your heart. Talk to God, make it a matter of prayer and develop a plan for discipline giving. Develop a plan for, be, plan it, be intentional. This is develop a plan for discipline giving. Um, as I mentioned last week, one of the things that I've done consistently since I've been a Christian is I've tithe. I've given 10% of my finances and I think that is a great starting point for, for disciplined, intentional giving is, is giving 10% of your finances to God. But that's, that's training wheels for giving. You know, there, there's actually in the New Testament, there's no specific percentage demanded in the New Testament. I mentioned this last week. Tithing isn't commanded in the New Testament. And I don't think it should be an issue if we have the mindset That that we're going to be radically generous. Generosity is commanded and instructed in in the New Testament, and greed is warned against. If we were radically generous and we got God's heart of what He wants us to be when it comes to our our wealth and how we handle it, then then we we won't be counting pennies with oh well just up to the pennies when it comes to tithe and offering. We're going to be radically generous with it. Last thing is declutter your life from material things. Some of us just got a lot of stuff, stuff that we don't need. I'm I'm probably going to step on some toes here. Some of us got a lot of stuff. Some of us are like pack rats, right? We like to hoard and keep up. And, and, And we could use stuff that's not being useful at all. We can use it for the kingdom. We could sell it. We could give it away. There are other people that could really appreciate it and use it. If we put it out on our curb as trash, like somebody would sweep it up right away because they could use it, right? Uh, and so declutter your life from material things. You, you actually might find more peace and happiness in having less and simplifying your life. But, but let's be a generous people. That's something that we, uh, we value here at City Church Garland is joyful generosity, joyful generosity. And so we value that here. Uh, so let's let that be expressed in our lives. Let's have fun and our giving, you know, let's, and we don't, let's not make a big deal about, oh, look how much I gave, let's do it secretly, and, and like, bless people, let's kind of be on mission, like, who can I bless this month, you know, and, and just bless people, and, and, and have the joy of, of reflecting Jesus to people in need. I'm going to just close in prayer, and then, uh, Father, thank you so much for your word, and for the warnings that we have, and for the instructions that we have, And oh, how we need your wisdom and your perspective. Because we've all been sucked into the trap. We've all been lured away. We've all felt the pull of the things of this world on our hearts. And we want to have you first. And so God, help us to dethrone any idols Help us to develop a disciplined plan for giving. Help us to declutter our lives from material things and just be free to be generous, to be like you, to love like you, to live like you. And would you, I just also want to pray for anybody in our body who is weighed down with debt right now from maybe some unwise decisions or maybe just some some big life circumstances out of their control that have hit them. And I pray that, God, you would help our people to be freed up from that, that burden, that weight, and, and freed up to give and freed up to to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen.